You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365, and you know we are rolling through the you know the early month of June, you know the early time of June, and you know the the buzz of the NFT community has no doubt been around these crazy little goblins and free mints, and I've done a bunch of Twitter Spaces uh, on the topic. Uh, I've been really tracking. You know, I have owned two goblins. Uh, one of them I flipped out way too early. One of them I hold now, and I was able to uh, to mint a burger uh, last night, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit. But I actually wanted to break down something more. Like, kind of want to. I so I've been working like on kind of reverse engineering this project, and I will say like I want to do a reverse engineer again sixty days or so from now. But I thought what we could do is, you know, one of the most popular episodes of the podcast is the three by three by three episode, right? Where we, we, I talk about, you know, it's the three wallets, um, you know, buy, you know, the three mints, um, and then the three projects. Uh, and that's an earlier episode of the podcast. I thought I'd take a different twist on like the three by three. So I'm going to talk, I'm going to share three things that you just have to be warned about when it comes to free mints and mints that, you know, have low barriers to entry. Um, and then three, you know, benefits uh, of free mints and what they um, can do for, you know, they kind of change the the dynamic. And then also, you know, three, let's just say um, effects that I believe the, the free mint uh, craze that has existed um, over the last, you know, I'd say 10 days, 14 days, um, you know, what that's going to do to the, the space. And, you know, I'll tell you, like, even right now, as I'm recording this, there's a free mint uh, called the Binkies that's happening uh, at 7pm that, you know, I'm excited to to try to jump in. They're only allowing one per wallet. Um, and so that's partially, it's like a, a little inspiration to get to the, the meat of this episode. But I wanted to set the stage on, you know, the Goblin um, Mint, because although at first it felt very um, sporadic and very just lucky and very like, oh man, the timing must have been just right. But over the last 14 days or so, we've kind of realized that this was extremely strategic. And, you know, there's been lots of rumors and people debating around, you know, who could be behind it. Anyone from Mike Judge, uh, you know, uh, who's a, you know, a famous, uh, you know, animator, uh, you know, with all, you know, King of the Hill. And, uh, you know, there have been rumors around, you know, Beavis and Butthead creators. Uh, you know, there's been rumors of Yugla Labs. But I think the, the thing that I wanted to kind of set the stage on is like, let's just like, let's just take this project for what it was or what it is. And what it really was, was it's a, it's a free mint that had no roadmap, no discord and quote unquote, no utility. It was also a flash drop, which just meant it came out of nowhere, right? There was no buildup. There was no hype. Um, the project just kind of dropped all of a sudden it hit like icy tools, you know, um, early on. Uh, and then the volume started to pick up and then it just started to float to the very top of, you know, pretty much all of the marketplaces, um, for the amount of volume. And that, I think that was kind of like how it got on a lot of people's radars, but then you have to take a, a even a bigger step back and realize like the website is like a world-class website. It is 
dynamic. It is built strategically for a reason. I mean, it plays right into the brand and the meme and the storytelling. Uh, and so they've been very, they were very strategic with the story they wanted to tell, the, the feeling they wanted to create, um, the community engagement, and then really managing expectations. And what I mean by managing expectations is, you know, they didn't have anything included and they don't really answer any questions. They, you know, they talk in Goblin, uh, they tweet in Goblin, um, and, you know, really nothing about the, the strategy and the support components felt like a free mint, right? A lot of free mints, I look at the website and it looks like someone built it in like, uh, like PageMaker. Uh, and that's a shout out to all of us that were in web design back in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. That's what I actually went to school for um, web design. I only had one uh, actual ever job in that, uh, just couldn't handle it. But I went to school before WordPress and, you know, we were doing things on, uh, you know, <laughs> on, uh, on different, uh, you know, platforms. But, you know, they also had, you know, the they, not only the world-class website, but, you know, the art, right? The fact that we hadn't had goblins yet in the, you know, in this space, it was also dynamic and a little bit, um, you know, it, it had like, it was kind of repulsive in a way. Um, but it also played into kind of those that kind of like that, you know, darker, um, humor. It also had, you know, a ton of Easter eggs kind of talk, you know, within those initial tweets of initial, even their, you know, who are they following on Twitter and their, their background images. Uh, and then let's face it, they've been doing Twitter spaces, uh, pretty much almost every night, but you know, I believe the people that are on stage, many of them are probably uh, either professional actors, voice actors, um, you know, because they stay right on cue. They they don't laugh. They're not mocking, um, and they're very um, you know strategic and methodical with like that piece of it, right? They don't really answer any um, you know direct questions, but they've also you know been planting things throughout. So there's a lot of like mystery. So although there's no utility, there's also just this idea of game theory, um, kind of riding the wave. The other part of what Goblin Town did was they knew their audience and they knew the mediums that they wanted to use, right? When you just say no Discord, that, that doesn't mean that you're giving up on community or communication. You're just siloing or you're kind of preventing, um, you know, people to be kind of uh, disillusioned, you know, because like there are so many Discords. When you jump in a Discord, there, it does kind of change a lot of the dynamic that exists in a lot of projects. And actually that, you know, kind of giving away one of my, my three by threes at the end of this episode, you know, that's one of the things I think it's really interesting is like, it's going to force us to you know, re-examine when we create discords, how they all come in, but I'll save that for a little bit later. But think about how much, you know, the timing, the knowing the audience, knowing the medium, right? They're using Twitter spaces in creative ways. They are, you know, they are mocking even the NFT crypto culture in their, the properties of their, of their goblins, even the way that they talk about, you know, celebrities and going to the moon and, and all of those type of things. They, they have also done a, a really great job of, you know, yes, they're only using Twitter, but they have like the goblin speak, right? And they do it on the voice in the Twitter spaces, but they also integrate that into the tweets, into the style of tweets. And then they also integrate that even into the website. So there's like a, there's just like an element that is, you know, really strategic and creative and even how they're playing into celebrities or, you know, when people came out and kind of said, said, you know, called them out without call without using their name or when Val Kilmer or Ja Rule uh, minted one of their uh, or bought one of their goblins, how they kind of um, embraced that. And then the last thing I want to say before we get in kind of like the, the money and the results is that they also just own the fact that their real target are degens, 
right? I think a lot of projects, we kind of get lost in like, we want web two people, we want web three people, we want some DGENs, but we want people that like our utility, we want some diamond handers, we want some paper hands to get the secondary volume. And we almost dilute that our entire approach. This project was like, I feel like it was created by DGENs for DGENs. And, and by DGENs, I mean degenerates in the sense of, you know, those that are like really eating, sleeping, and breathing NFTs that are willing to mint a bunch of free NFTs um, with really no hopes probably of any of them coming to, to anything other than that. And, you know, the most interesting part of this is, you know, it was a free mint to, you know, they've hit some all-time highs um, for their NFTs. And one of them sold for uh, 77 ETH, which is about 144,000 um, USD. But I think about this strategically, right? They're strategically on what their uh, approach was and, and how they've even thought about this whole um, dynamic, right? So there's been over 40 million worth, 40 million USD worth of goblins traded on the secondary market. So they made zero dollars up front, zero dollars up front, right? Now they did, and many people haven't talked about this, they did say on their mint site that they were keeping a thousand of them for themselves, right? So we have to kind of remember that, right? Although they didn't, um, there wasn't a mint price, they did hold a higher percentage than most projects. You know, I think on average, most projects are holding, you know, maybe 250 um, for their team and, and, and people. I mean, the fact they held a thousand um, of the project, you know, I thought was, a, you know, a pretty interesting play. You know, I also think that probably played into, you know, some of the, you know, who they were hiring, how that was going to roll out. I mean, it's a 10,000 piece collection. Um, you know, there's 4,600 individual owners. So, you know, the average person owns two um, of those uh, of those goblins. But, you know, the creator fee uh, on both OpenSea and Looks Rare is 7.5%. So as of yesterday or this, you know, just last night when I was kind of doing the math and building out this episode, they've made a little over 4.5 million in just the creator fee secondary sales. Now we don't know what they've done exactly with those thousand mints that they've um, they held to themselves. So there could be you know some additional um, revenue gain there on that side. But you know Goblin Town, yes, I mean we could look at it as like the exception to the rule, but I actually think it's more important to look at it as the rule breaker, rule disruptor, and even in a way kind of the um, you know kind of calling out some of the things that we just created as like the norms in these NFT projects, they just decided not to kind of follow along in a lot of those. Right. And like, I, I wonder if it came out with a bunch of hype leading up to the free mint, it probably would not have been as successful. If the website wasn't as dynamic, probably not as successful. If they didn't plan for Easter eggs. And, and for those that don't know, Easter eggs are like kind of like clues and things that are hidden within the art, within the, the language, within their tweets um, that were all alluding up until last night's burger drop. Right. And I'll tell you the burger drop where you had to have a goblin. Um, or actually, you don't have to have a goblin. You can go on the website and actually play around without a goblin, uh, which I thought was a cool little piece. But you you can uh, connect your goblin to their website and then you create this burger and you get to pick. It's definitely a choose your own adventure. And I will tell you, that's probably the most exciting part for me, because as I've said on the podcast many times, that's what we're building into our NFT project, the, you know, the super powered um, non PFP project that we are uh, very excited to drop some more alpha on very soon. You know, we are we're really focused on choose your own utility, choose your own experience, choose your own um, generative uh, kind of 
process. And I'm excited to kind of share more of that. And I thought, you know, Goblin Town did an amazing job of that, even within the way that they wrote their contract um, and how they connected the dots to, um, you know, goblins and some of the things that they did. You know, I got a little geeky last night and I was deep into their contract, which is, uh, you know, a lot of fun. But with that being said, now we kind of level set on what Goblin Town is. But I will tell you, I probably minted, oh my goodness, 20 other free mints um, over the last seven days. And none of them are Goblin Town. Some of them shot up, you know, Goblin Girl shot up for a little bit, but it was really just one person that bought, you know, like, I mean, a ridiculous amount of them overnight, which pumped the, the floor price. Um, the, you know, there's a couple others that, you know, have, you know, there, and then there's, you know, there's a bunch of derivatives on, on that side. But I want to get into, you know, the three by three by three, the three different um, one, you know, categories that I mentioned before. So three warnings first about free mints. And the first one is, just because it is free does not mean it is for amateurs or entry level or it's easy to um, to find it. It's easy to make money on it. I would actually argue the free part makes it a lot more unpredictable and a lot harder. And you really do have to be paying attention. You have to kind of know the tools that are at play and be able to read some of the signs and, and even know that you have to recognize that you have to decide, like, are you going to ride this? and know that it could pump, and then it could come back to zero, and I have to be okay with that, right? I, I, I feel like the mentality that exists around Freemans um, is a much more advanced um, play, but that doesn't actually mean we, we know what we're doing. It just means we know a, a lot of different ways to play the game, and, and we'll kind of try to see some of the things that we would see out of it. The second one of the warnings is that, you know, free often comes with less loyalty, and that also means there should be, there's more security concerns. And I just want to put this out there right now. A free mint could end up being the most expensive mint you've ever made because the, uh, the, the ability for someone to, you know, embed some security flaw or a hack or the, the fact that, you know, a lot of free mints probably don't verify or check their contract. They aren't going through. They don't have as much, let's just face it, you know, the uh, upfront money. There's not as much uh, things kind of invested for many of them, not all of them, you know, some of their exceptions. And so they, they do have a higher security concerns, right? I, I mint all of my free mints, just about all of them, um, out of burner wallets that I have no plans um, on connecting anything ever to that wallet other, you know, than free mints. So you know, please be aware of like, I, I hate to see someone jump into a free mint and then realize that they lost all their NFTs because the website was pirated or, um, you know, someone had put a middleman attack or the contract was written badly. So just be very aware of that. And, and also that also includes some very unpredictable changes, right? Just because it's free up front doesn't mean that they won't rug you after they make their secondary sales, right? If you look at a lot of projects, you know, people will give up and say, sorry, we give up on this free mint. Um, you know, we tried, uh, you know, we, we don't have to refund anybody's money because they didn't pay. But what about all those people that pay the percentage, that creative fee, that maybe the project was alive for 10 or 15 days and they made, you know, they made, you know, probably a couple hundred thousand dollars off of their secondary percentages. And then the third one is, you know, it's like really the, the power or the curse of the idea that, you know, in a free mint, there is really no like research. Like, for every free mint that I'm a part of, it's usually like, oh, the, the art's cool or, or whoever reminds me about it or I see it on, on, um, on you know, IC tools or on uh, Gem or one of the project, you know, one of the tools that we're using. You know, oftentimes I'm just like, ah, eh, I'll throw forty dollars worth of gas at that and see if it'll, um, you know, be anything, and I can make a couple hundred dollars if I you know flip them early or whatever it may be. But because of that, 
the the people that are joining are unlike most NFT projects, right? Like most NFT projects that people are joining, you know, there, there's like a, a, a target demographic and an audience. And I will actually say like, to me, this is actually one of the things that I think made, in my opinion, made me, made Freemans unattractive was I was like, how do you build a community? It's already hard to build a community full of very impatient owners, but now you're going to do it with random 10,000 people. And you know, why would someone be loyal? But the, the flip side of that is actually, and this goes into, so that was our three warnings. Now I'm going to talk about our three exciting benefits uh, of NFTs is that because there's no upfront costs for people, the, the need for owners or people to be um, mad or bitter or, you know, kind of peer, you know, pressuring the founders to deliver certain things actually usually isn't there as much. People are willing to wait around a little bit longer or, you know, aren't kind of holding them, uh, the founders um, as, uh, you know, accountable. And that, you know, that's, a, I mean, I, I will tell you, there's a lot, a lot of the projects that I've minted at point two or higher have been, I've lost a lot of money on it and they've struggled to ever make it back to that mint price because that's a lot of money for people to put up. And when they start to see it dip or things aren't as delivered, they're like, oh my gosh, I, I put $600 in it. I'm okay selling it for 450 because I need to get that money back. I don't want to lose all of my $600. But if someone only paid $60 in gas, they're like, eh, I'll see what happens. I'll just wait around. I, you know, I don't care if I ends up going to zero, you know, it's just 60 bucks, right? So like, that's one of the benefits is that you can kind of play into that. The second one is, you know, the high volume uh, of trades, right? Because it starts out at 0.0001 on Ethereum for most of them. Uh, and so people will trade them. It's $5, $11. So what it will end up doing is that volume of trades will, will ultimately, and it's really what Goblin Town did geniusly, is that their volume was so high early. And I would love for, I mean, there's some data people that I know that are, are analyzing that. Like, I would love to know how much of that early volume was manufactured, right? How many of the same people were buying and selling, buying and selling in that first like five or 10 hours? Uh, because that there was so much volume early that it was on the top of the charts, even higher than Bored Apes and on, on things on, on OpenSea and other projects. But because of that, that high volume not only generates a lot of those creator percentages, but it lets people kind of get in at a whole bunch of different action points, right? Like even if you miss the free mint, like I missed the free mint. I had my, my friend Gregarious, shout out to Gregarious, messaged me when it was 0.09. I checked it at 0.3 and I was like, oh, I don't think this is going to be that great. I didn't get into 0.4 on, on uh, Goblins. And, you know, for me, like that was, you know, that's still a very high entry point. But funny enough, like if it, if it was a mint for 0.4, I probably wouldn't have gone in at all, but I was able to see those trends and I got in at point four because it was very strategic. And then the third one, as far as the benefits go, is that it allows you to be fun and creative. And that, you know, kind of seems to flourish because let's face it, you know, we've always known that the internet loves memes and Goblin Town are, are just really meme enabled and they played into it. And you're able to do that without people kind of being like, you're worried about what the reputation is for the money they have online. So I think it does kind of put fun back into um, you know, NFTs. And the last part I'll just hit real quickly are kind of three of the things that are, I think are going to be the byproducts moving forward of this free mint uh, culture, because we're seeing a ton of free mints right now. We're seeing even projects that hadn't minted out switch their mints to free right now just to onboard more people. Um, I think that's going to be a, really a hot mess for a, a lot of people because now how do you you know value those that have been there for a while versus those that haven't? I mean, there's a lot of things that go in play there. You know, please, founders, if you're listening to this, be careful doing that. Um, now, the result, three results that I think that we're going to see, you know, one of them is I think it's the best part, is it's going to reset the 
the market mint price. Like the mint price when we launched this project, NFT three this podcast, NFT365, you know, the average mint price was right around 0.06. And recently, I mean, I feel like it's been 0.12, 0.18 for so many projects, uh, you know, 0.21. Uh, and so I think this actually is going to allow us to kind of take a step back and recognize that, you know, most projects, they're not making the bulk of their money. I mean, Psychedelics Anonymous, a project that I absolutely love, that's a perfect example, right? Like They made like, I don't know, three or four million up front, um, on that mint drop, but the amount of volume and sales, I think they're in like the $30 million they've made on, on the back end. I'd have to fact check that exactly. But, you know, that's really where, you know, if you're getting seven and a half percent off of every sale and, and you can create some of that supply and demand, it can be really magical. And I think that's one of the things that we have to kind of relook at. The second one is I think we're going it, it, to, the free mint culture or the free mint trend is going to also force us to, to move away from this idea that everything has to be a value at the end, right? Like, I, I think it's pretty ridiculous that, you know, we are, we are so concerned that if I'm buying an NFT, what is it going to be worth for me to sell it at the end? But how many things in our lives do we buy that we own that we have no plans on ever selling? Let's just say like the mattress you sleep on in your bedroom, right? You, it's the thing we use every single day you know, of our lives. You want to you wanna buy a really great mattress, but you know that you own that mattress and nobody, well, just about nobody. I mean, I think it's really weird to buy a used mattress, but you don't ever think about like the resale of the used mattress. You think about, you know, the life of the mattress and the value you're going to get out of it and the quality of sleep you're going to get out of it. I think we also have to take that approach to, to NFTs. There's a lot of NFTs to me that I have in my bag that if they end up going to zero, I don't care. I've got so much value. I've earned 10x worth of value and connections and relationships and learning and, and um, you know, interaction and, and all of these things, you know, merch in some cases, um, from these projects that the return ROI doesn't need to be there. We actually have to think of it as the ROR or that return on relationship. Right. And, and my good friend Ted Rubin wrote a book called Return on Relationships. And I think within the NFT space, I think that could be a really interesting change where we, we worry a lot less about that return on investment and we focus on return on relationships. Because I'll tell you, this Goblin Town conversation and how it's brought people together, I absolutely think it's already worth the money that I put into it. If it goes to zero, uh, I, I feel like I've already got a, a lot of... Inter- I mean, I've got like six hours worth of entertainment this week from the Goblin Twitter spaces. I mean... That's our, that's, I mean, how much value is it in there? So I think that's going to reset that. And then the last one that I think we're going to see is really interesting is I actually think how we deliver our utility, how we build the companies around NFTs is actually going to change a little bit because of these free mints, right? We're going to see, you know, like, what about utility and roadmap? Like, do we need those from the start? The other part of it is like, I actually think some projects can do without a discord and then empower the community to create a community discord, right? Like we've seen fan clubs do that really well, right? There's even sports. Like I, I was joined, I, I've been a part of SteelerNation.com for, I don't know, 20 years. And I love that forum and that community. It's not run by the Steelers, but you're damn well the Steelers benefit from it, right? As a season ticket holder, as you know, merch and all of those things. So I think we're gonna actually see a shift in like, do, do projects have to run their own discord 
or can they allow their community to run them or do they can they use things like the community function on Twitter? And then the last thing I think is that we could also th- see things like, hey, after we're going to we're going to now that you've bought the NFT or you got into the NFT uh, we're going to work on building for the first two weeks. We're not going to do any Discord. But after we're, when we drop our first utility, then we're going to open our, our Discord because it's going to give us some freedom to actually you know, build and work without, you know, because I mean, who, those that don't know, building a Discord is, holy crap, is it a lot of work. And so I really think like we're going to see a lot of shifts. Like, and, and I will tell you for my team, and I'll, I'll kind of wrap this on this. We are very focused on examining every aspect. Like if, if, we're, if we're doing this, I want to say why. If we're not doing this, I want to ask why. Like if we are not doing a whitelist, why? If, what was the value of a whitelist? Are we replacing that, that conversation, right? And then if you're not charging a, a, a fee up front, how are you going to build so that you have enough money to keep the, pro, the, the, you know, the brand and the project and, and things running, right? How are you going to um, onboard, offboard people that are coming in randomly and, and, and flipping in and out nonstop, right? Like all of these things, we really have to question everything. And I really think that's what Goblin Town did really well. And, and the last thing I'll just say is it's also just fun, and it's creative because it disrupts so many trends. One of the things that I've noticed over these last year of the NFT space is projects that are willing to really put themselves out there and, and push the limits of disrupting the current trends, which lately it's been very high mints, very professional um, you know, art, and very deliberately you know, hyped marketing of discords and, and Twitter. And they really went a different way. And I, I, I mean, different can work, but it also does not mean it's easy. And I, I think we're going to learn, you know, down the road that this project was probably six months in the works and they probably had it waiting for the right time because I think the timing of this is also something you can't underestimate. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Those were three warnings with free mints, three exciting benefits of three of free mints and three of the you know, results and, and, you know, things that I think will be um, impacted in the future around, um, you know, the, our future NFT project drops just based on this, you know, current free mint trend. As always, my friends, this is not financial advice. I recommend you to do your own damn research, D-Y-O-D-R. Thanks so much for listening to the, today's podcast. We are super powered by the ADHD coin over on Rally. You want to get some uh, you know, creator coins for listening to the podcast? You want to jump into our Discord? Just go over to ADHDcoin.com. You know, sign up there on Rally. We'll get you some coin. We'll get you set up. We'll make sure it's connected to your Discord. And we do free airdrops uh, each and every week. You could get, uh, you know, even join our 39 club or a 93 club and you could get in on a free weekly call a weekly zoom call we do every friday or an exclusive airdrop where we airdrop based on the amount of people in the 39 club for all those details just go over to discord.gg slash adhd coin until tomorrow my friends make it a great day cheers this show is not financial